Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to travel around the world while making an uh, income or multiple streams of income. Uh, so we interview guests from around the world. Uh, we just got off an interview uh, with someone in Africa. Uh, we've been uh, covering uh, Asia, South America, Europe, uh, North America. The only guest we haven't had yet is someone from Antarctica. So any of our listeners, if you know any <laughs> Antarctican digital nomads, let us know. We'd love to get them on the show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and review. That really helps us uh, get up the ranking. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, follow us on all the social media as well. So on this episode, we have the joy of interviewing a traveling digital nomad couple, Betsy and Peter. And they actually left uh, their hometown of Minnesota uh, to travel around the U.S. and beyond. So they've actually been to Sochi for the Olympics there, the Winter Olympics. Uh, now they're actually house-sitting uh, in uh, Santa, near Santa Barbara, California. And on this episode, we'll be learning a little bit about why they decided to sell everything, to travel the world, uh, about how they generate income as they travel, and any um, experience and insights about uh, traveling. Um, so how are you guys doing over there uh, in California today? Great. Quite it's wonderful. Sunny and warm. We love it. Sunny and warm cool. is a good thing. Um, Scott and myself, we're from Vancouver, BC, Canada, where it's not always sunny and warm. It's usually rainy and cloudy. So uh, I can see, uh, I, can, uh, I can tell that Scott is in the sunny area in uh, Croatia. And I'm actually in French Guiana, heading to Suriname uh, after this interview. So uh, we're all in sunny areas uh, as we speak. <laughs> and hopefully you listening are also in a sunny area or you're heading to one as well. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I give you a little brief uh, overview, a synopsis, but maybe you can... Uh, share with the listeners and viewers a little bit about your digital nomad journey. Should I do that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, um, we met and married in Minnesota in 2006. We just celebrated our 11th wedding anniversary. And at the, when we married, we realized, unfortunately, or fortunately, as it turned out, that we weren't going to be able to have a traditional retirement for a variety of reasons. And so we cast about looking for stuff, income-producing activities that we could do together and that would also serve us were we a, were we going to become, you know, as we became older, I mean, you know, maybe we wouldn't be more mobile, that sort of thing. And so it seemed as though working online was the perfect answer to supplementing and then eventually replacing income. We had become intrigued by the idea of location independence, and we achieved that about three years into our journey. We started off working with print-on-demand companies, and Pete had made a political bumper sticker just as a kind of a joke in 2008, and surprisingly, it started to sell very well. And so we sort of noticed that and figured, well, maybe another bumper sticker would sell. And since then, what are we up to? About 100,000 products, maybe? Yeah. Print-on-demand. You know, and in, in, in the interim also, we established other revenue streams, which include publishing our own ebooks. I've written some real <laughs> books in the self-help genre, and so we've got those for sale on Amazon. 
Um, we've monetized our travel blog in a variety of ways, including in-kind work with destinations and accommodations and that sort of thing. But also um, we do advertising sales and individual client work for that. So we've got a lot of spokes in the wheel, I guess you'd say, after so many years of doing this. And um, we tested things out in 2011 when Pete finally quit his day job and we did a series of road trips. And then it um, sold everything in Minnesota and moved to the beautiful state of Hawaii, the Garden Island of Kauai and then decided to go completely nomadic after a fateful trip to the Sochi Olympics in Russia in 2014. So our kids think we're nuts and a lot of, you know, I mean, we're those people, <laughs> crazy ones. And I guess we wouldn't have it any other way. Well, hey, uh, part of the Digital Nomad Mastery community is being part of that crazy tribe of people who have left everything, sold it all to travel the, uh, to follow their dreams, to travel the world, and we're loving it. Uh, you know, uh, these aren't fake smiles. We, we're really loving this journey, uh, tra traveling around the world, homeschooling our kids. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people have regrets. And one of the top regrets of the dying is, I wish I'd followed my dreams. I wish I'd traveled more. And I, I wish I'd been more courageous. And uh, I think to sell it all, to travel the world, to go to Sochi, uh, to, to live in Hawaii, to do home sitting is definitely courageous. So good on you guys for following your dreams. Good. Thank you. I want to jump in with a question because I was on your blog, on your site, which happens to be passingthrough.com. Just give you a little plug there. And I spent three weeks in Sicily uh, just two or three months ago, had a phenomenal time. I just thought the place was spectacular. The people were friendly. The food was great. And, of course, before I went to Sicily, I was thinking of the mafia and, you know, it's and it, people don't seem to talk very nicely about it, you know, even the Italian sort of. And it was just totally, like, the opposite of what I was expecting. And you happen to have on your blog, and it's only – uh, like a month ago that you posted this, visit these four places in Sicily to have a mind-blowing vacation. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your experience in Sicily. Well, that was actually a guest post. And um, surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, I don't know, we, we tend to wind up in places that we've never heard of as opposed to places that, you know, that you should go as a traveler. So we've never actually set foot in Italy. So that was a guest post and I thought it was a really complimentary post in because you know we didn't have any personal experience there but we've got a lot of readers who like to visit Italy, you know, and Sicily isn't necessarily the first place that people think of. No. To go. But and the ruins there are amazing and uh, the food was spectacular. Yeah, I think um, the closest we've got to Sicily is actually we could we could have waved at it across the ocean from Mallorca. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Which is one of the places that we ended up going that we never really even knew existed. Um, we were uh, on our way from Fiji to Spain, I believe, and we had some time 
to kill um, because we were on our way to a convention of uh, travel bloggers. And the um, this just kind of popped up because we had a, a um, timeshare exchange. And so we ended up going to Mallorca, and it was really one of the most wonderful times we've had anywhere in the world. I'm really interested in your journey to Sochi, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. Um, uh, a lot of us watched uh, the Sochi Olympics uh, and heard all about the controversy that was happening in Russia around the time. Uh, so maybe you can share a little bit about if an insider's glimpse into what happened in Sochi. What brought you there and, uh, you know, some of your impressions? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times we get this bright idea, you know, and when when we moved to Hawaii, it was January of 2013, and so we're sitting there on Kauai, and Pete had said before we moved, and I'd forgotten about it in all of the <coughs> chaos, that he wanted to go to the Winter Olympics. And if you know anything about the Olympics, you know that you, the ticket sales start like a year before the event, and it's really a matter of jumping on the website and clicking those buttons and just sorting out the details later. And so we had just moved to Kauai and we were on the website early in the morning and we clicked on a few buttons and bought a few event tickets and were shocked at how expensive the stuff we actually wanted to see was and, and didn't click those buttons. And then we just sort of forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, oh my God, where is it? Where is that? <laughs> you know, we, we've, you know, I guess we'd better figure this out. So while I was researching flights from Kauai to Europe, I was starting to get really discouraged because as you might imagine, getting anywhere in the world from Hawaii is kind of a financial challenge, um, not just time-wise and everything. And so it appeared as though we were going to have to really bite a a financial bullet in order to get ourselves over there. And then I encountered one of those um, package deals. And it was a week in Ireland with a rent-a-car, two nights in castles and the rest in B&Bs and including airfare for the same prices it was going to cost us to go to Munich. And it's like, oh, well, all of a sudden we're going to be in Ireland for a week, <laughs> you know, and so we're going to have to figure out how to get to Russia from Ireland. And so then we decided, well, let's go by land. That'll be fun. And so um, it turned into like this epic journey on your rail all across Europe. And I think we only stopped when we got to Romania. And then there was a little bit of a thing going on in the Ukraine that you might remember at that time we had originally planned to take the train across the U Ukraine and we decided no you know what we better I think we better fly and fly over the Black Sea at this point and there was a lot of controversy around those Olympics there was there were security concerns we were gonna all be blown up by Chechen terrorists we were I mean one of the the toilets didn't work and yeah, I mean, there was, everything was going on yeah mm -hmm. everything and it it really started me on um an 
a journey of understanding in terms of how the media has an agenda and and for whatever the reason wants to manipulate your thinking because we encountered none of that yes there was an increased security presence there and rightfully so i mean the russians were definitely not having any shenanigans occur on this opportunity to showcase their country in front of the world and so yes there were military ships in the black sea around sochi you could see them from the shore and yes on along the route to the alpine events there were armed security stations like every 20 to 25 feet they brought in cossacks and i don't know if you know the cossacks but they're um, a tribe and they're very known for their warrior tradition and so man i was taking pictures of those guys right and left you know and but honestly everything in terms of our experience went off without a hitch. We chose not to stay in the Disneyland environment associated with the Olympic um, uh, areas. You know, we stayed in a little guest house in a neighborhood where Russians go to holiday on the Black Sea. We were welcomed. Nobody really spoke a lot of English where we were staying. It didn't matter. The night we got there, it was opening ceremonies, and in 15 minutes, we were throwing back shots of vodka with the guys at the next table so it was a marvelous marvelous experience and you know there were a, a, a few hoops to jump through in terms of getting the visa and that sort of thing but man i wouldn't trade that experience for the world I am uh, so glad you went there. I haven't met anyone else who's been to the Sochi Olympics. So uh, uh, what was it like in terms of the reality compared to uh, uh, the media perception? You kind of elaborate, you kind of teased on it a little bit, but uh, um, how accurate was it in terms of the media portrayal of it uh, internationally? Well, I have, I have no doubt that the media found instances where the doorknob didn't work or, you know, something was improperly installed, that sort of thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that all of that stuff was made up, but I will say that it was our impression that were those issues to be present, that they were minor. I mean, this was a magnificent feat of engineering, particularly in the Alpine venue where they literally had to blast away part of the mountains and construct a community, maybe on the equivalent of Aspen and Breckenridge combined out there to accommodate all of the influx of people and the services and the security issues and all of this back and forth and they did a monumental job i mean they everything ran like clockwork the transportation was beautiful all of the hubs all of the transportation was free in and around sochi that for that time period and it was a magnificent venue because the black sea venues you know where the indoor arena events were like the skating and everything that was right on the waterfront and it's a, almost a tropical environment I mean, we were walking around in palm trees and then 45 minutes later you're up in the mountains and um you know you're, you're in the snow so i i think the hype was overblown. I think 
in many cases, the media was looking for problems, you know, and it, um, nothing is ever perfect, but man, we had as close to a perfect experience that we ever could have imagined. Amazing. I definitely want to, you know, learn more. So, uh, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. So make sure you connect with them. I'm sure they have a few blog posts and passingthrough.com as well about their Sochi Olympic experience. Uh, so transitioning over to the area of uh, house sitting, which you're currently doing now, uh, you're actually in California. And uh, a lot of our listeners are probably interested in that area as well. Um, you know, that's something I definitely would like to do more of. So uh, maybe you can share about how you got into house sitting, uh, where have you done your house sitting, what platforms you use, and uh, a little bit of your experience uh, as a house sitter or as house sitters. Well, when we got uh, back from uh, Sochi, um, we decided that we wanted to be uh, traveling a lot more or maybe even full-time kind of doing what we did on that particular trip and decided that we'd have to get rid of what little we had in Hawaii and then um, <clears throat> hit the road. But um, we're not very well-to-do. We're not very rich. And so we had to figure out how we're going to make this work with uh, a little amount of money and house-sitting seemed to be a, a very logical um, concept for us because you can stay for free, so you have no, uh, no cost for accommodation. And when we were looking online at one of the um, sites that does um, brings house-sitters and homeowners together, we came across... Um, one in Fiji, which uh, is actually not that far from Hawaii. And uh, it turns out that we were, uh, we were their first choice simply because they were looking for somebody who had experience in maintaining a house in a tropical environment, which of course we did um, being in Hawaii. So our first house sit um, was in Fiji for two months. And so we went from one paradise to another. And we've, we've come to really love Fiji. We um, love the people there. And, um, of course, the, the weather and everything is, is very nice. And we ended up uh, house-sitting at this particular location three more times during the course of a couple of years. We've come... Uh, become very close friends with the homeowners and um, think of their two Dobermans as our grand dogs. <laughs> yeah. You know, Pete, you make a great point that uh, actually in one of our previous uh, podcast episodes, someone made a similar point in that as you're doing the house sitting, you develop a relationship with the owners and they don't just go once, they go, uh, you know, often. And then you become, it becomes like, well, here's a place where, We'll go to Fiji whenever we want, almost, right? Uh, and I, I think yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it's kind of interesting because it, it's, it's not really free. I kind of hesitate at describing it as free because there's a value exchange involved. You know, um, yes. we're acting as the homeowner's surrogate. And so there are responsibilities, and I'm, wouldn't want to give people the impression that um, 
you know, that, that it, once you get there, it's like, Hey, you know, an umbrella drink and sit me by the pool because the very first day at that particular house that the property was threatened by a bushfire. And so there we are out there with the garden hose. <laughs> you know? And, um, and later in a subsequent visit, it was Cyclone Winston. And so we were making hurricane prep and we actually weathered that category five storm in that house and kept the property secure and fortunately little damage. So, um, but it is that's the great point, Betsy, because you're not, it's not a holiday. You are basically, like you said, you're replacing the homeowner, you're responsible, you're looking after the house, there's uh, work to be done. And, uh, uh, yeah, but, and what the, so I'm curious, is there a particular uh, website that you prefer when you're looking at uh, house sitting? Well, we belong to a variety of sites and we're just kind of on the cusp because we've been at this for several years now of obtaining all of our sits or the majority of them are a repeat or referral, but not quite. And so, um, you know, this is kind of our business and, you know, other, other people may view it differently, but we belong to a variety of sites. Trusted House Sitters is the largest. And as you might imagine, because it's so big, there's a lot of competition for SITs. Yes. So it becomes a matter of marketing yourself effectively, um, obtaining those positive references and showcasing your skills and experience in order to make a good match. But there are several other good platforms out there that are regional in nature. The first Fiji set came from a platform called housecarers.com. C-A-R-E-R-S, carers. I guess that's kind of a Brit word, I don't know. But, um, you know, so you can poke around and if you have geographic desires, you know, there's Facebook groups of expats and that sort of thing. So, that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways to get into the community of homeowners and house sitters. And there's also a credential that we recommend called the House Sitting Academy. And that's, of course, designed by a couple of friends of ours. And it's not so much learning everything that they've put in there, which is really comprehensive, but it's knowing that you have that resource to refer to should a situation occur where you're um, looking for a reference, that sort of thing. I think there's a link on our website to that. Yeah, there is, yeah. Um, getting, uh, just to touch a little bit on um, marketing and promoting yourself, um, when we were in Fiji, we did a video uh, to kind of introduce ourselves to prospective homeowners and uh, most of the sites um, you'll find um, uh, let you post a video up there and also we've uh, got a tab in our on our website that um, is about house sitting and um, includes a lot more information about who we are in our experience so you're currently in California, you've been to Hawaii, Russia, et cetera. So where is next? Uh, where do you see yourself in the next few years of uh, long-term travel? 
<laughs> well, you know, when we first started this nomadic life, it was in September of 2014. And our daughter had recently got engaged and they had set the wedding date for September of 2016. And so that was our end date. We just figured, oh, we're just gonna travel everywhere, all around and, you know, until the wedding and then we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do. Well, last September was the wedding and everything and it's like, well, now what are we gonna do? It's like, well, let's keep doing what we're doing. And so we really don't have an end game in sight and this sit is probably the longest about five months here in Santa Barbara. We're gonna be done with that sit and we kind of have nothing after that. And early in the journey, that would have made us a little more nervous than we currently are. We've learned to trust the universe that opportunities will present themselves and whether we stay in the US or whether we go back to Europe, it's kind of all up in the air at this point. And it's wonderful to have that freedom. It's not necessarily something that a lot of people are comfortable with, but you know, we kind of like dancing on that edge a little bit. <laughs> That's wonderful. I really love to hear that because uh, a lot of my journey, the last four months, five months since I left Canada has been, uh, well, I'm going that way. And then, <laughs> no, no, I ended up going that way. And then I actually ended up over there. So uh, <laughs> the flexibility is interesting, but also the opportunity. And mm -hmm. I really like what I'm hearing about the house sitting because that's not a way that I'm using to travel. And I actually had kind of given up on it, but you and a couple of our other guests have convinced me that it's just, I'm not doing what I should be doing in order to be attracting the right homes that I want to house sit in. Because I think that's, like a big part of why I want to travel is I want to be able to be part of the community, the local community long enough to have an understanding of what it's like and everywhere people are wonderful and they're, they're beautiful. And that's definitely not a, a theme that shows up on our news at all. And I think we all need to be reminded of that. So. Um, and that's, that's a good point. Um, when we do look for house hits, we look for a, a longer type of a stay so that, um, uh, generally, we'd like to be somewhere for at least four weeks, and if there's extensive travel involved to get to where we're going, and in other words, it, you know, some significant costs in travel, why um, uh, we want to stay even longer. And when we were we were in Minnesota for the wedding and a little bit more, and then we we had hooked up for this five month house sit, but we had um, four months in between. And so we just kind of house sat our way down to California. We spent uh, a couple of months in Denver, which was wonderful. And uh, uh, I think we spent a month and a half in Arizona. Um, and so it was uh, a very um, easy transition to get down here. You know, the other thing I'm going to point out too is that um, the interesting part to me in all of this, and we kind of touched on that initially, is that we wind up in places that we've never even heard of, you know, <laughs> much less figured we'd be going. And so if we, if we need to make a visa run in Australia, for example, we 
jumped up to Malaysia. Was Malaysia ever on my radar? Never. You know, or uh, house sitting in Toowoomba, Australia. I've never heard of Toowoomba. What? You know, so um, the serendipitous aspect of all of this is really interesting to me. And, um, you know, no, we haven't been to Italy. That's usually the first place that people go. But, <laughs> but you know. And you tricked me. You had a blog post about it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, we've house sat in China. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing to me. And I think your reference to you, you just need to be open and the universe will just present you with opportunity after opportunity. If you're, you know, if you're willing to take the risk. That's right. Well, thank you very, very much, Pete and Betsy for being on the show with us. We really appreciate everything that you've shared and we appreciate you and I'm we're, I think I can speak for Ricky and myself it's always nice to have two friends and uh, we, we want to invite you to come back again we'll uh, you know because we want to learn more of what you're up and, and where you've been and uh, but if somebody wants to know more about the, some of the stuff that you're doing right now and uh, how can they get a hold of you or how can they find you online well, the easiest place to find us is on our travel blog, and that's passingthroughthru.com. And, you know, we're in all the usual places with the usual suspects on social media. We're on Facebook individually and, and passing through as a page there, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you know, but there's a contact form on the website, passingthrough.com, and we'd love to hear from anybody with anything well some amazing insights about traveling around the world uh, i love all your stories as well you guys are amazing storytellers and uh, you know we've heard it in verbal and visual form make sure you uh, read about the stories too on their blog uh, uh, the website once again is passingthrough.com spelled t-h-r-u not the other way so passing through <laughs> and uh uh, make sure you uh, get uh, the courses. They have uh, quite a few different courses about uh, Zazzle, and uh, they have some ebooks as well. So, uh, if you're interested in how they make money while traveling the world, um, they're they're a great example that your dreams can come true, that you can work online, and uh, you can house it around the world like they are doing. Uh, so, we look forward to reconnecting in a future episode. And uh, thanks for being on the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And aloha. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I will see you in the next episode. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. And uh, uh, share with us your travel stories. We'll see you in the next episode. Mm.